using all of the gematria skills um, that we've accrued, that we've accumulated, that we've gained over the last few weeks, and we are going to put, put it to good use tonight in our final session together. Look, we could go, we could go a whole year meeting every week. We go 52 weeks on numerology and not even get past the surface. When I say surface, what I mean is there's something accessible every single step of the way, every single Torah portion, every single holiday. So, you know, in, in crafting tonight's lesson, um, you know, my, my thought was what would be meaningful to explore? Which specific application of numerology might be meaningful? And my thought turned to the holidays because, you know, they come around every year and they're well known. So it might be fun, I think, I thought, to, uh, to look at the holidays and to explore some numerology secrets of the holidays. Again, we're going to be applying all six different methods of numerology that we have um, explored thus far. Well, at least five out of six. We might not do the shape method, but five out of six we're going to apply in tonight's session. So. That's my pre-intro intro. Let's do the formal introduction. Welcome to lesson number three of uh, the mysteries of Hebrew numerology or the mystery of Hebrew numerology. It is great to see you all. I'm glad that you're with, here, you're with me here tonight. Um, I sent out a PDF of both last week's um, handout as well as tonight's. I noticed after I sent it out that, some, that somehow in between the, um, the typing out of the letters and the design in that booklet, it looks like sometimes the Hebrew and English words got mixed up a little bit, which is fine because they're usually equivalent anyway. But sometimes what was right is on the left, left and the right. So the way to be safer, once again, I'm going to be sharing my screen and pulling up a PowerPoint that has essentially slides um, of the same thing that you have in your handout. The good thing about the handout is that you have it, you can review it, it's yours, and anytime you can always review it. But the slides are a little bit bigger, and it guarantees that we're all literally looking at the same page at the same time. Okay, so I'm gonna jump right into the slideshow. Let me share my screen with you, and let's jump in. Oh, I should mention, as always, um, two important things. Number one, at any point in time, if you have a question, please, 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 unmute yourself, jump in, or write your question in the chat box. The goal of this is that all of you, all of us, are all on the same page and everyone understands exactly step-by-step step this process. The goal is not, just to be very clear, the goal is not for this to be somewhere above our heads, like some sort of mystical secret that doesn't really make a lot of sense. The goal is that it should make sense, we should understand how it works, we should understand what it means, and you know what, the, the kicker, you know, the extra bonus, extra bonus points, if we can walk away with, um, with messages that are timeless and applicable to our own lives from the themes that we're going to explore tonight. That's the goal, and I plan on sticking to it. All right, so this is Gematria, Secret Code of Creation, part number three, Hebrew letters. This is, I'm just reviewing some slides that I've had the first two weeks, just so we have kind of a, a similar start and just a, uh, um, a reinforcement of, of the important themes. So the Hebrew letters have different layers of, uh, of, of significance. There's the language and the meaning. There's the art and design of the letters. There's the music, the cantillation notes, and of course the mathematics or the numerology of all of the letters. And this course 
we're focusing on that fourth dimension, which is the mathematics, the numerology. Hebrew is the code of creation, therefore what exists in the Hebrew language exists in the world like software. Like anything that you look at on your computer, if it exists, if you're looking at it, it was coded. It's got, it has to have layers of code behind it. If it exists, so here's the big idea. If something exists on planet Earth, or even not on planet Earth, on any other planet, if it exists in existence, in creation, there are Hebrew letters that are coding it into being. Okay? And, and the numerology of those letters are significant and they show connections and deeper, deeper messages, hidden messages. Okay, we talked about six gematria, again, gematria is numerology, six gematria methods so far. Okay? Oh, not so far. Six gematria methods, and we're not going to, I'm not adding another one tonight, we're just going to apply them tonight. So number one was misbar hechrachi, which is the absolute or normative value, and that is, again, I, I just want to review to make sure we're all, uh, we're all remembering. So you go, the first 10 letters are 1 through 10. The next letter is 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 200, 300, 400, and those are your 22 letters. So that's, that's, the first, um, that's the first system. The second system, called Misbar Siduri, is ordinal value, which means that, uh, that every letter in order is another number. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10... 11, 12, 13, 14, and through all the way through 22. 22 letters, 22 numbers, and that's it. You don't jump from 10 to 20 or from 100 to 200. You just go in the order and you end where it ends. That's Misbar Siduri. Next, number three is Misbar Katan. Misbar Katan is reduced value. That is where you take, for example, in the first system, you take a 30 and it turns into a 3. You basically drop the zeros. 200 turns into 2. And 20 turns into 2, and 2 remains 2. You basically jump. Go to Nelson. You basically drop off the um, the zeros from um, from from the gematria in order to get down to a reduced single digit number. That is what is called misbar katan. Katan means small, and so you're getting to the smallest number possible for every letter by dropping the zeros. Next, number four is misbar katan misbari integral reduced value, which is a fancy way of saying you add the numbers together and add them together, and you add the numbers together, take off the zeros and add them together again. So essentially, if your gematria is, let's say 500, if it comes out to 538, based on the first method, right, method number one, if the total number is 538, well then you keep on going. You add the five and the three and the eight, which, uh, spoiler alert, would be 5 plus 3 is 8, plus 8 is 16. And then maybe you would do it again, 1 plus 6, and you would end up with 7. But it's basically taking the sum total and then adding the actual digits um, of the sum to each other. That's number 4. We're, we're going to do all of these tonight um, in spades. We're going to do a lot of these. Number 5 was the Miloy method. Just to remind you what the Miloy method was, every letter... Every written letter has a pronunciation, so the letter Aleph is just a single character. But when you, when you pronounce the letter Aleph, it actually has three characters. Those are the hidden letters, or the filling, of each letter. And so if you count those up, you get a different number, a larger number, based on the letter and the letters that are the filled hidden letters. The shape method was... You look at the shape of a letter, 
you look at the art and design of a letter, and then you say, oh, like the Aleph is comprised of two Yuds and a Vav, so it's not just one, which is Aleph, but it's two Yuds and a Vav, which is uh, Yud, Yud, it's 20, plus Vav is 6, so now it's 26. So that's looking at the shape and, and, and assigning a number based on the shape of the letter and based on the fact that, that any given letter might be comprised, it could be understood to be comprised of individuals, individual letter or other letters kind of fused together. Okay, that's, that's a, it's not, it's not a, a very common form. Tonight, I don't believe we have any examples of number six, but one through five, we have plenty of examples. I want to check in with you right now. Let me stop sharing. I, we didn't do anything new thus far, but it's important that we're, we start off in the same place so that we can continue on this journey together. So I want to check in with you. Does everything make sense so far? Yes? Yes? Okay, I'm going to recommend before we continue, or as we continue, I'm going to recommend that if you feel like it might be helpful, pull up a calculator on your screen. You know, I, and, and sometimes, you know, when you, when you hit something else, it disappears. Or you could pull up a calculator on your phone. Have a calculator ready. N not that tonight is going to be, you know, uh, we're not doing algebra tonight. It's, you don't need a um, scientific calculator. But sometimes it's helpful instead of doing the math in your head, if you can just type it out on a calculator, then you get quick confirmation um, with the numerology, it, I think it makes it a little bit more enjoyable than trusting me. Listen, I, I love the fact if you trust me and you, you believe the numbers that I've written on the screen, but if you can run the numbers yourself, I think it might be even more enjoyable because you can see as the process plays out. So that's just a suggestion, and let's continue inside. Okay, so like I mentioned before, my thought was to... Um, let me open up... Let me open up once again. Hold on. What's going on here? Stop sharing. Let me try to share this again and get the right. Yeah, here we go. Let me share the right screen. Okay, like I mentioned at the beginning, um, my thought was to focus on the holidays. Okay, why the holidays? Because holidays are number one, because holidays are always fun to celebrate and it's a big part of Jewish life. It's part of the Jewish calendar. Yeah. I, I think it would be a memorable thing. You know, when you, when you come to a holiday, you'll remember, oh, there's a numerology here. You can look back and you can have something with which to experience the joy and the spirit of the holiday, of the Jewish holiday, with, uh, with, with the gamashu, with, the, with the, the numerology. Another thought about this was we're approaching the high holidays. It's the month of El now. We're about a month away from Rosh Hashanah. Then we have Yom Kippur. We have Sukkot and Hanukkah. And the holidays kind of roll out from this time of year. So tis the season to mix metaphors or to mix songs. Tis the season to, uh, to talk about holidays and to think about holidays. So I thought it might be something fun to do. Okay, here's the chart. Uh, I just have it up for reference. This is the Misbarach uh, Rechi, the absolute, the, the absolute or normative value, one through 400. Okay, um, I see there's a, something in the chat box. Let's see what's going on here. Fusukot, ah. Oh. Shape of Sukkot should be a Hebrew letter. Good. Mark, Mark just texted me. And by the way, please feel free to jump into the chat, whether to everybody or just to me. Mark, thank you. Remind me when I talk about Sukkot, if I don't mention it, then unmute yourself and please jump in on it because I, I do want to mention that and I don't have it on this, um, I don't have it on this, on this, on this sheet uh, or on the, the PowerPoint. Um, I just have here now listed the various systems, but we went through these, uh, 1 through 400, 1 through 22, Reduce value, integral reduced value. Okay, let's talk about the month of El. This is the final month of the calendar year. 
month number 12. It's the month before Rosh Hashanah. It's the month that we're in right now. We just started on fr- last Friday, this past Friday. So today is the fourth day of Elul. Tonight is the fifth day of Elul, a very special day because it's my wife's birthday. So happy birthday, Leah. Um, so here we go. Elul. What is the numerology of this month? There's a lot to talk about this month. So what I did was, on the right side, I spelled out the word Elul vertically. From top, oh, hold on one second. Let's let somebody else in. Okay, Elul from top down. Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. Four letters written down. And what is the Gematria? This is based on the first system. Aleph is one. Lamed is 30, Vav is 6, and Lamed is 30 again. It hasn't changed. So 1 plus 30 is 31, plus 6 is 37. 37 plus 30 is 67. So the numerology of the month Elul, the Hebrew word Elul, is 67. Now what's significant about 67? We have a few themes. Now for those of you that join me Sunday morning for Kabbalah and Coffee, I leaked a little bit of this intel. I leaked a little bit of this because I couldn't hold myself back. That's the simple reason. I could not hold myself back. It was too good. So I shared a few, a, a few drops of, of these uh, numerologies on Sunday morning. So if you heard it then, enjoy it again. Most of you have not heard it, so buckle up and enjoy the ride. Elul is 67, which is also the numerology of another Hebrew word, which is Bina. That's the second word down on the right side, Bet, Yud, Nun, Hey, just to do the numbers, Bet is 2, Yud is 10, Nun is 50, and Hey is 5. So 2 plus 10 is 12, plus 50 is 62, plus 5 is 67. So Bina and L are 67. What is Bina? I'm glad you asked. Bina is the power of understanding. It's the power of analysis, the power of deep analytical thought, which means essentially it's when you take an idea, you take a concept and you break it down and you understand it well. It's not a general understanding. It's not a vague understanding. It's a detailed understanding or in better terms, a detailed analysis. So this would be, you know, when you have a company, right? And you do like a deep dive into the books like uh, forensics, you know, they, 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 there's a, I think there's a, the, the word forensics is sometimes used with, um, with accounting. So you do like a deep dive into the books and you look at every single dollar, every cent that came in and every cent that came out that was spent, income expenses, what it went for, why it went for that, detailed, detailed analysis. That's what Bina is. Not necessarily in business, it doesn't have to be business, but anything that you understand, a concept, a formula, a theory, a philosophy, a business, whatever. Bina is the process of analytical analysis, right? It's taking a deep look into something. Well, what is the avodah? What is our role or our work in the month of Elul? It's exactly that. It's Bina. It's this introspection. It's this introspective analysis, It's the forensic analysis of our own lives. You see, as we get ready for Rosh Hashanah, and by the way, you might notice that tonight, I'm going to do this a lot. I'm going to share a gematria numerology and then give like a life lesson from it 
because my, my goal in this third lesson is to show you how gematria can actually teach us how to be, how to live a good life, how to live a Jewish life. So it's not just theory and numbers and Kabbalah and abstract, it's also practical. So I just want to take a step back and tell you what we're doing, and then let's get back to doing it. So what is Elul? Elul is a month of introspection. Elul is a month in which we're meant to look inside, to look at our lives. What blessings did we get, and what do we use the resources for? Right? What do we use the resources? God gave us resources. God gave us health, and God gave us wealth, and God gave us possessions, and God gave us days. God gave us all these days up until now. Certainly up until now, right? We're all here. So we all had from last Rosh Hashanah until today. That, that, that's in the books, right? Till, at least till today, till this moment right now. So the question is, what do we do with it? Yeah, this is what we have. What do we do with it? This is what came in. This is the income, so to speak. Well, I don't know which way to look at it, but these are the resources we had and we have. So what, what did we spend it on? What did we allocate the resources, God's resources toward? This is the work of El. Elul is a, a, a month of introspection in order to enter into the new year with a clear direction and a clear idea of what we need to invest in, what we need to focus on. It's like a business that analyzes exactly what the resources were used for. And then the conclusion is, okay, we need to cut that. We need to add more of that. We need to stop selling that. We need to sell, you need to expand this line and, and cut that line. So that's what we're meant to do on a personal level. So that's introspection. Okay, let's talk about another theme of L. So L, remember the magic number here is 67. Well, as you know, Misbar Katan Mispari, which is the integral um, reduced value. So that's where we're adding the numbers together. So now let's take 67, L, and add the two numbers together. Six plus seven, of course, is lucky number 13. By the way, the whole notion of 13 being an unlucky number, that is a thing, right? 13 is, a, is allegedly an unlucky number. Yes? Not a Jewish thing. Not a Jewish thing. That's, that might be a thing elsewhere. In Judaism, no. All bar mitzvah boys would be unlucky. That would be a terrible thing to say. So, so uh, 13 is not unlucky. 13 is, 13 is 13. It's a number. It's a beautiful number. Why is it beautiful? Well, for many reasons, including the fact that 13 are the number of attributes of divine mercy. Now, let me give you the background of this. After the sin of the golden calf, the Jewish, the Jewish people were in big trouble, <laughs> to put it mildly. God had told them, first of all, God had rescued them from Egypt, okay, and done a lot of miracles for them. Ten plagues, a whole, a whole, pomp, a lot of pomp and circumstance. And then God split the sea. And then God gave the Jewish people the Torah, Mount Sinai, divine revelation, ten commandments, including, number one, I am the Lord your God. Number two, do not have any other gods. Well, 40 days later, the Jewish people, we've all seen the movie, right? Exodus? Yes? Exodus? Ten commandments? Which was the movie? Ten commandments? Ten commandments. Ten commandments. Ten commandments. Okay, good. Just making sure. Uh, is there a movie Exodus or there's no movie Exodus? Story of Israel. Yes. Story of Israel. Good. 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 Fine. I, I gotta. I gotta keep my films, uh, my Jewish films, straight over here. Um, by the way, there's a beautiful song, the theme song of Exodus of the film Exodus about Israel. Beautiful song. You guys familiar with that song? Yeah. Not Hatikva, but it's a it's a song, it's a beautiful song. 
It's going to be Mom, part. So, sorry. It's called Exodus. The theme of it. The theme from, it's, from Exodus. It's called theme of Exodus. In fact, here's a spoiler alert. We have. I just announced today. We're we're having a, a virtual dinner with entertainment delivered, catered food delivered to your house, entertainment, live entertainment, music entertainment live from South Africa. Um, a, a cantor and an opera singer from South Africa. Our keynote address is some is a, a rabbi and author and scholar living in England. These are going to be like I mean the power of Zoom. Listen, it, it has its ups, up, uh, you know, its benefits and challenges. But one of the benefits is we have inc an incredible lineup for this dinner, and one of the songs that's on the the schedule is this Exodus. But getting back to the Ten Commandments, different movie, but that was uh, a segue. Ten Commandments. So we all remember the story, right? 40 days after, God said, no other gods. That's it. We're, we're going steady. We're exclusive, right? No fooling around on me, right? So we said, yeah, for sure. Moses goes up the mountain. You know what they say. While the cat's away, the mice will play. Well, I don't know if Moses was a Kohen. He wasn't. I don't know if he was a cat. But I will tell you this. Moses is up in the mountain. The next thing you know, the Jews are doing the Hava Nagila, dancing around in a circle around the golden calf. And then God's like, this is not good. Moses says, this is not good. And God actually wishes to, God forbid, destroy the Jewish people. Upon which Moses prays to God and he says, no, you can't do it. Anyway, Moses goes to bat and defends the Jewish people. And ultimately, God forgives and God says, God reveals his 13 attributes of mercy and says, I am indeed slow to anger, very forgiving, etc. And it's 13, 13 expressions of divine mercy and divine compassion and divine forgiveness. And it's our tradition. God taught that to Moses. The tradition is whenever, you know, whenever we need to ask forgiveness, we recite the 13 attributes of mercy to kind of evoke God's compassion and bring it down into our reality. Well, listen to this. The Kabbalists, the mystics say that in the month of El, there is a revelation of the 13 attributes of, Div of divine mercy into the world. In other words, what that means in, in kind of simple speak is that this, the power, these powers, these 13 powers of divine mercy are manifest and present and accessible in the world in a way that you and I can access this level of closeness and love from God to us. 13 attributes of mercy, well, look at the gematria, look at the numerology right here. El is 67, 6 plus 7 is 13. The month of El is a time of 13, 13 attributes of divine mercy, which prompts the Alter Rebbe, the founder of Chabad, to ask the following question. He says, every time the 13, of, 13 attributes of divine mercy are shining, it's usually considered a yomtif, a holiday. So why? That's what we say. All holidays, Jewish holidays, are times of the shining, the revelation, the manifestation of these 13 attributes of mercy. So why isn't the entire month of Elul, why isn't the entire month a holiday? Imagine a, a full month, 29 days. It's a, it's a month of Jewish month. Is 20, this month is 29 days. Imagine a full month of, of holidays. The whole, the whole month is, should be a yomtiv, should be a holiday. So why is it a regular month? When I say regular, I mean a mundane month. You're allowed to go to work. There's no prohibitions about that except for Shabbat, obviously. But wh why is it a normal month when, it's, uh, when it has this, uh, this revelation of attributes of divine mercy? And the Alter Rebbe gives a beautiful parable to explain this. And this has become one of the most well-known themes about the month of Elul. And it comes from Chabad. It comes from Chabad origins. 
And you look up, you know, the spiritual energy of this month and you are bound, Google it, you're bound to find this parable taught by the founder of Chabad. And what's the parable? The parable is the king in the field. When the king is sitting on a throne, there's a lot of protocol. You have to dress up, you have to get an appointment, you have to stand the right way and speak the right way and act the right way. A lot of formality. It's very serious. But when the king is in the field, when the king is passing through the farms and the fields on his way to the city, then everybody, everybody is given permission to come to the, to come to the road and say hi to the king and maybe even speak to the king for a few moments. And you can dress in your overalls because, look, the king is on, in the field on your terms and you're not in the palace on his terms. And so the Alter Rebbe explains, the Alter Rebbe means the, uh, the original Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, the founder of Chabad. So the founder of Chabad says that the month of El is a time when God is in the field, so to speak. God is accessible. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we have to dress up put on nice clothing and go to synagogue or whatever, you know, this year is maybe a little bit different, but go to synagogue, hopefully within, in good health and hear the shofar and fast on, Yom, on Rosh Hashanah, fast on Yom Kippur, a lot of, uh, a lot of formality. But the month of El, that's the, when the king is back in the palace. But El, this month, the month before that, is when the king is in the field and we have access. So although it's the same king with the same 13 attributes of divine mercy, it's in the field and therefore it has a more accessible um, energy to it, and that's the incredible opportunity that we have. We have the opportunity to encounter God and God's 13 attributes of divine mercy, 67 of El, 6 plus 7, 13. We can access this in, in, in our normal everyday lives, in our normal mundane Monday night. Monday night, uh, um, August, what is it, August 24th night. Uh, in, in this life, in this time, in this life, in this time, we can access it. Okay, does that idea make sense? Yes, thumbs up if it made sense. Okay. I have a question. Mariana, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. What happened with, with for example, from 76, that it's 13-2? Yeah, yeah. Is the same meaning? Or what happened if, if you have like 213, like, like 1,300? Like, like this. Yes. It, it's, it's the same or yes. Same? Yes. The answer, the short answer is yes. When you have the the number, the the gematria, and the to, and the, the the sum total is something that equals thirteen, either sixty seven or seventy six, or you could do also thirteen hundred, like you said, and just drop off the zeros because that's like Ms. Barkatan. In many different ways, you can get back to this 13, and usually it means that there is going to be a spiritual connection there. Now, what that connection is, that might be hidden, or it might be revealed. In other words, we might, fit, we might be able to see it, or we might not be able to understand it at all. But that's really our ability to perceive it. But in general, like this, in general, the, the Hebrew letters are the code of creation, which means... It is what it is. The, if the letters are there, it's the letters. And if the le and the, the numbers corresponding to the letters are really the same thing. So if the numbers are there, it means that there's a connection. What the connection is, sometimes we know it, sometimes we don't yet know it. But but it will be it will be a connection. So 67, 76, uh, and and other combinations, right? Uh, 29 and 92 would also, sorry. Um, 49, right? 4 plus 9 is 13. Yeah, 49 or 94. Um, if 31, 
It's 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 different like 13, yeah? 31 could work also. 31 could work also. Um actually no, 31 I don't know if there's a system where you take the actual you take the numerology and then you reverse it. I don't know if that's I, I haven't seen that as a system. So it would need to come to some sort of, you know, endpoint with some sort uh, some way of of 13. Yeah. But we will see, you know what? Let's we have a lot of examples tonight and you're going to see many different methods. So Great. I, I love. Yeah. So maybe we'll find something similar to that where letters get, get switched around. I think we'll see something like that soon. Okay, now let's go back inside. Oh, let's talk about love. The month of El we know so far is a month of introspection. We also know that it's a month in which God is accessible. The king is in the field. 13 attributes of divine mercy and compassion and forgiveness. God is ready to embrace us. And that leads us to the theme of love. Elul is Ani Lododi. I wish I would have written it out. I, I, didn't, I didn't think of it. I didn't remember to do it. Ani Lododi Vidodi Li. Famous verse in, in Song of Songs. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. In other words, I'm dead. I love the other, and they love me. It's a beautiful, loving relationship. The first letters of those four words, Ani Lododi Vidodi Li, spells the Hebrew word Elul. And therefore, El is a month of love, our love to God, God's love for us. It's a, it's a, it's a love fest. Well, wouldn't you know it? El is 67. Six plus seven is 13. And the Hebrew word for love, Ava, which means love, the numerology of that is 13. Let's do it together. Ava, we already did it 67, but let's do the last line here. Aleph is one. Hey is five. And you can, by the way, at any time, pull up the chart. If you have the chart, and, uh, and you can reference it. Aleph is one, hey is five, that's six. Plus bet is two, that's eight. Plus hey is five, eight plus five, you guessed it, is 13. So here we have, once again, a secret hint in the word, in, in the month of Elul, which is 67, but 67 ends up like 13, or as 13, and 13 is love. 13, we said before, remember, 13, we said is 13 attributes of mercy, but it's also ava, it's also love. Um, I, just, I just got reminded something very cool. In the Rebbe's wedding invitation, it was written in Hebrew, and it had four paragraphs. His father-in-law, who was the previous Rebbe, actually wrote the invitation. He created the script, uh, the text for the invitation. And the four paragraphs begin with the four letters, Aleph, Hey, Bet, Hey. So if you read the first letters of those four paragraphs, it spells the word Ahava, which is love, which is a nice, a nice way to have a wedding, for a wedding invitation, I think it's a nice theme, the theme of love. Uh, by the way, you will also find a lot of weddings that happen this time of year um, we'll, we'll have the verse that I mentioned before, Anila Dodi Vidodi Li, I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. It's really a verse and a theme of love, which is a very strong theme this month. And uh, Gematria, on the numerological level, it works out as 13. Okay, so that's a little bit about the month of El. One more thing, and I want to teach you something that I, I want to share with you something that I haven't shared before. And I was hesitant to share it, only because... I think it's going to raise some questions, but look, life learning is about asking questions, and, and that's good. Okay, and that, that's also okay. So here's the next connection. 
We spoke about life. Let's, sorry, love. Let's speak about life. The month of Elul is the preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur when we ask Hashem to be written and sealed in the book of life. Right? We say that God has different books and we want to be written and sealed for life for this year, for the coming year. Life. In fact, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we say many prayers, special prayers, that use the word Chayim, life. We say, Zachreinu Lechayim, remember us for life. Uvesefer Chayim, in the book of life, inscribe us. Lots of mentions of the word life. We want to be for life this year, not the opposite, God forbid. Well, the Hebrew word Chayim, life. Um, chai is also life. You know the Chai, Chesyod, the first two letters? The necklaces, right? Chai. Um, chayim is the plural. It's the plural for life. Why do we use the plural? There's a secret to that also. There's a mystical idea. And that is that life is best enjoyed when it's shared. The gifts of life are best enjoyed when they're shared. So... It's one thing to have life, it's even better to share the gift of life with someone else, to share resources, to share love, to share ideas, to share on whatever level, in whatever way. So Chaim is a shared life, which is a beautiful life. So Elul is 67. Chaim, let's do the numbers together. The letter Ches is 8. Yud, Yud, each Yud is 10, so that's 28. Mem is 40. 40 plus 28 is 68. So now I know what you're thinking. 67, 68, so close. Ah, if only it would have worked out. Oh well, let's move on. No, this is what I didn't teach you before, and this is the first time I'm teaching this to you in this course. So here, here, here goes nothing. There's something called, in Gematria, there's a, there's a um, technique called Imhakolel, which... Roughly means you take the gematria, you take the numerology of the word, and then you add one. Why do you add one? You add one for the sum total of the word, of the letters, I'm sorry. Right? Each, the, the letters added up individually equal a certain number. But you add one more for the energy of the collective. Does that make sense what I just said? So if you have... Let's just do L, four letters, right? You have four letters, and each one has its numerology. But you add another one, right? Because it's not just an Aleph, a Lamed, a Vav, and a Lamed. It's a word, L. So that's an additional one for the word, for the combination. What a wonderful place to use that Imhakolel, to use the extra one, when we're bringing it together with the word Chaim, which is all about sharing life. Remember what I said before? Chai means life, but Chayim means a shared life. Elul, the individual letters, 67. But together, when they share with each other and join, you add an, an extra one, and guess what? It equals 68. So, there, I, I, I've been hesitant to share this technique because I know that it might evoke the question that uh, it sounds a little arbitrary. Like if you're off by one, you have like a rescue, you have like a escape hatch. Like, oh, whew, 
All right, well, we could still make it work. So maybe it's that, but I think there's also more depth to it, which is that there is a, an idea, there is an energy. It's kind of like, you know, the sum, uh, what's, the, what's the expression? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? So you have, you know, I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. So the Talmud says that when two people, when two people carry something together, they can actually carry more than what they could carry individually added to each other. Does that make any sense? Did I say that coherently at all? So like if, if, if each party, I'm just gonna give a simple number. If each party could carry 100 pounds, together they can carry something like 300 pounds. It says that each party can carry a third of what together they could carry. So that's kind of like one, 100, 100, and then another 100. So that's kind of like the imakolo. The, the, the total is greater than the sum of its parts because 100 plus 100 is only 200, but now you get to something a little bit greater. The reason, again, this is a technique in gematria. It's used, it's sometimes used, and in this case, I think it makes sense to use it just because the number that we're correlating it to, or the theme that we're correlating it to, is the idea of, of a shared life. Um, Barry, you had a question, comment? No, you kind of addressed it. I was going to ask, what's the uh, Kabbalistic term for when your gematria doesn't quite add up? <laughs> the number that would make the difference and then the rationale for that number. Yeah, so, so let me, I'm actually going to put it, because I don't, I don't have it not in the handout and not here either. I'm going to go to the chat and let me post this to everybody. I'm going to write it in English. Im ha kolel. Im ha kolel. Boom. I just text, I just chatted to everybody. Im ha kolel means, im means with. Ha kolel, kolel means like the collective. So that's the way to phrase it. Like if you're, um, <laughs> Mark is writing to me. So it's not, Close doesn't only count in horseshoes and hand grenades. No, close also counts sometimes in uh, in gematria as well. And in this case, I think it's beautiful because in this month of El, we get ourselves ready. Maybe we're not making the ask yet because that comes on Rosh Hashanah when we add in the prayers, the specific request for life, and we ask God to be written in the book of life. Um, but now we get ready for it. Now it's when we set the... I mean, do you really show up and make an ask without without preparing the groundwork, right? I mean, you got to you got to know the you got to know the other party before. So now we have 30 days to set ourselves up to stand with confidence and say, "God, we've made we've made the um, uh, um, the analysis, the bina, right? We feel your presence, the 13 attributes. We were dedicated with love. And now we're going to ask for life. That's, that's what we do in Rosh Hashanah. So this is now the time to get ready. So I, th this, these are some, just some of the gematriot, some of the numerologies that are associated with this month that we're in right now, the month of Elul. And I think each one comes with a story. And it's a story that's not just, oh, interesting, oh, mystical. But I think it's, it, it informs us about what, what we're meant to do right now. And that's kind of cool. If you can get numer if, if, if numerology helps us, live a, a more spiritually rich life, then that's, uh, what, what, what more could we ask for? At least that's my thought. Let's talk about Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so after El, I don't want to advance the screen yet because I want to set it up. 
So actually, let me uh, stop sharing and then I can see you all. Hey guys. Um, okay, so after El is Rosh Hashanah. So I want to ask you a question. Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. And there are several foods, um, special foods, traditional foods that we eat on Rosh Hashanah. Please unmute yourself and share with me one of the special foods that we eat on Rosh Hashanah. Jump right in. Apples and honey. Apples and honey, good. That's number one. What else? Give me more. Honey cake. Honey cake, excellent. Good. Round challah. Round challah, good. Head of a fish, excellent. Mark, what did you have? I missed you. I missed what you said. Pegula. Mazza. It's pastry that's fried and stacked up with honey. And okay, okay, so, so it, it, it's probably because of the honey. I don't know if I'm familiar with it directly, but it's, it sounds like it's a, it's, it's a, it's a honey-themed a honey theme food. Okay, what else, what else, what else do you guys have? Huh? Carrots. Carrots, good, excellent, Dates. carrots. Beets. Dates. Dates. What else? Leeks. Leeks. Good. Pomegranate. Pomegranate. Excellent. Now, um, anyone else? I think that's uh, that's. I think that's all I know. I think we covered all of them, guys. Very good. Listen, Chevre. Yeah, Debbie, go ahead. Um, when I met my Israeli friends, they eat candy with sesame seeds. Yes. But I don't remember why. Yes, there is. There is a tradition. Something with sesame as well. So here is, here's the deal. Each of these foods has a rationale, whether it's, you know, literal or allegorical or kind of like, you know, a very thin connection, but each of these foods has some sort of connection with Rosh Hashanah. The main theme, of course, of all of these, well, not all, but many of them, is the notion of sweet. And of course, we want a, not only life, but a sweet year, not just existence, but an existence that's uh, enjoyable for this coming year. That's what we ask for. Um, certainly, we can look back at this past year and ask God, whatever it was last year, let's make it a little sweeter, if not a lot sweeter. We could use a little less challenge and a little bit more sweetness this year. Okay. Um, yeah, we talk, spoke about the head of a fish or a ram. So we have the sweetness, we have the idea that we want, so that, that explains, by the way, the apples and the honey, and that explains um, that pastry thing that we spoke of and something else that somebody else mentioned. Um, we did brachala in, in honey, that explains the carrots, which are sweet, although there's another thing with carrots, um, and, and, other, and some other foods. We also have the head, some of the custom to eat the head of a fish or a head of a ram, Okay, it's an interesting custom because we want to be ahead this year and not a tail. When I say ahead, I mean a head and not a head, although a head is also good. It's better than being behind. My favorite bumper sticker, this is just anecdotal, my favorite bumper sticker ever, I saw this as a kid in Pittsburgh, said the following, I may be slow, but I'm ahead of you. And I, I just love, it's like, it's the truest thing that any bumper sticker could possibly say. But I digress. Let's get back to, uh, to, to special foods on Rosh Hashanah. Carrots also, the Yiddish word for carrots are merin. Merin in Yiddish also can mean more. So it's carrots and more, and we want more blessings this year. Pomegranates. Uh, Pomegranates have many seeds, and the Talmud says that 
were filled with mitzvot, like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. Many people think this means that the Talmud is saying that there are 613 seeds in a pomegranate. The Talmud never says that. The Talmud says that we're filled with mitzvot, like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. In other words, you don't have to count. We just know it's a lot, right? I mean, you can count, knock yourself out, but there's a lot. So we're all filled with mitzvot, and we want to remind God of our virtues and our mitzvot, and, and all of the other foods have their symbolism. But it's interesting. Alongside the list of do's, do eats, there are, also, there are also some foods that we do not eat on Rosh Hashanah. And one of, those, one of those foods that we do not eat on Rosh Hashanah are nuts. Are nuts. Why? So I'll give you the simple reason, and then we're, we're going to look at the gematria. You ready for this? Okay. Um, the simple reason is because when you eat nuts, it causes the saliva, and it just, okay, try this next time. I don't want to get too detailed. It just creates a lot of action in the mouth. It just, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of debris, a lot of, it just creates a lot of, uh... and so the idea in Rosh Hashanah is we, we pray a lot, and we say lots of psalms, and we're blowing the shofar. We, wanna, we don't want extra. We don't want to make, make it more complicated than it needs to be. So we avoid nuts. That's the simple reason. But there is a gematria reason for it as well. And I'm about to share my screen with all y'all. Here we go. Um, Russian Foods. Egos. Legos, my egos. No, egos. In Hebrew, means nuts. Egos is numerologically equivalent to 17. And the word chet, which means sin, is 18. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. 17 is close, but it's not 18. Well, I already told you before about the imakolo, but I think there's another beautiful message here as well. And that is, we don't want to remind God of any of our sins. We don't even want to get close. We don't even want to get one number away, so we avoid the nuts. Again, the simple reason is for the, um, for the saliva, a little bit of a deeper reason is for um, not wanting to evoke sin or any reference, any even numerological reference to sin, even if it's almost there, with the colo, with the word egos, at 18, we don't want to get there. By the way, 18 is a beautiful number. 18 also means chai. It means life. But we're very sensitive on Rosh Hashanah. Chet is 18 also. Chet means sin. The second word there is sin. And, uh, and we want to avoid it at all costs. Okay. Again, we want to avoid mention and, and sin for that matter. All right. Let's talk about Yom Kippur. Yeah. Question. So sure. If 18 is chai and a chet, how are they related? Spiritually. How are life and sin related? Have you ever seen someone live without sinning? I'm kidding. That's a very cynical uh, answer. Um, what's the connection between chai and chet? I'm Listen, I could try to make up something, but it's probably better if there's an authentic source on it. I don't recall, because <laughs> then you know it's authentic. I don't recall um, an original source that, or what, what it says in the books. I would need to look it up. I, I don't recall. Yeah, I can speculate. But, I, you know, my speculation is leaning towards saying, again, don't, don't take this as authoritative or definitive, just as uh, my musings in response to a very good question. So my musings are 
that maybe the message is, you know, there's a very thin line between the path of life and the path of sin. And it's, it's very easy to convince ourselves sometimes that we're doing the right thing when in fact we're not, maybe not doing the right thing. So there's a fine line between the good and, and the not so good and it takes a lot of discernment and a lot of trial and error and sometimes we won't get it right. But the point is it's not always going to be black and white. It's not always going to be obvious and clear you know, what's right and wrong. Sometimes it'll be very complicated. The path of life and the path of the opposite it's on a razor's edge sometimes. Um, that's a thought that comes to mind. I think it's a true idea, and I know that idea is brought in many sources, Jewish sources, in different contexts. Could that be the reason for the Gematria, the 1818? Possibly. But that's, again, speculation, just to be very clear and transparent about that. Okay, um, I want to talk about Yom Kippur. Because after El, this month, comes Rosh Hashanah, and after Rosh Hashanah, a few days later, a week later or so comes Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur we know as the Day of Atonement. In fact, it relates to the story I told you before. After the sin of the golden calf, so Moses prayed for the Jewish people. Eventually, forgiveness came in the form of the second tablets. And that happened on the final day of that process was on Yom Kippur. And there, for, for all time, it becomes known as and, and understood as, and, and the energy is uh, a day of atonement, a day to return back to where we need to be in our relationship with God. By the way, um, I love this idea that I'm about to share with you. All right, do you guys see that whiteboard pop up? Yeah? Yes? Okay. Day of Atonement could also be Day of Atonement is also the Day of At-One-Mint, which I know, I know what you're thinking. That's not a word. Okay, Atonement is, but At-One-Mint can also be understood. It's the idea of reconnecting, getting back to that, that core place, that tight connection um, with God, that space one-on-one -on -one, uh, with God. So let's talk about Yom Kippur because to kind of achieve that really, really close spiritual connection, we drop a lot of the physical stuff on that day, one day a year. We discard a lot of the physical stuff. We tell our body, essentially, not today. Yesterday, tomorrow, next week, every other day of the year, not today. So you're hungry, not today. You're thirsty, not today. You're whatever it is, right? Other, other restrictions, it's all about like tending to the body and what the body wants and what the body likes. On Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur it's a day of being one with God. It's a completely spiritual day. Now, usually, just, just uh, as an aside, we try to marry together the spiritual and the physical, and we try to integrate, and we, we you know, have a soul in body experience. That's all the days of the year. On Yom Kippur, one day a year that we focus, we try our best at least, to focus exclusively on the soul and the spirit, and we tell the body, don't worry, 
give it a few hours, you'll have your bagel, you'll have your whatever, you'll break your fast, and you'll be happy, and that's it. On Yom Kippur, we have a tradition that it's such a spiritual day that the Satan, you know what Satan is? You ever hear the phrase Satan? Okay, Judaism has, it comes from Judaism. Satan in Christianity comes from Satan in Judaism, but it's a different understanding in Judaism than the way it was taken and, and adopted by, um, by Christianity. Satan in Christianity, and I'm not an expert by any means, but my understanding is that it's kind of like an equal, powerful, opposite force to God. In Judaism, Satan is not an equally powerful force to God. Satan is simply the force of opposition that God employs to create challenge for us in this world. In other words, God puts us in this world and tells us all the good things to do, but then puts other temptations, other ideas, other struggles, other challenges in our way in order to, te to test us, in order to kind of bring out a greater strength through that opposition, through that test. Okay, that's what Satan does. Um, you can call it Satan, you can call it the Yetzir Hara, the evil inclination, you can call it the Nefesh Bahamas, the animal soul, call it whatever you want. It's the same force. It has different names, different IDs, you know, whatever. Maybe it's like a spy, it has different IDs. But the point is that it's all the same force. Well, Satan works every day of the year, except for one day. There's one day that Satan, Satan, does not work. Um, and that is the day of Yom Kippur. I'm about to share my screen with you. Take a look at this beautiful, beautiful numerology um, secret right here. Okay? Free of temptation. The, the numerology of Hasatan, which means the Satan, the Satan, is 364. Let's do the math together. Hey is 5. Shin or Sin is uh, 300. So it's 305. Plus Tes plus 9. Um, 305 plus 9 is 314, plus Nun is 50, is 364. And the message, the way our sages put it is, that Satan, or the Satan, only works, is employed by God 364 days of the year. There's one day a year where Satan is not working, and that is the day of Yom Kippur. So 364 days a year, we're tempted. On Yom Kippur, we don't have temptation. By the way, if somebody says, well, what do you mean? What if somebody is tempted on Yom Kippur? So the answer is, it's not Satan. It's our own doing or it's our own habits, but it's not coming from this objective force in creation that's trying to make us stumble in order to bring out you know, the best within us. That whole system does not work on Yom Kippur. It's not meant to work on Yom Kippur. It's, uh, it's Satan's day off, so to speak. Sounds like a movie title. Satan's day off. Uh, a rom-com coming this, uh, this fall. Um, but no, Satan's day off is Yom Kippur. So the message for us is let's take advantage of that to indulge in a spiritual time, in a spiritual atmosphere without, um, without, without having that opposition. So David is asking a good question. But what's this 364 three, or 365 days a year? That's the solar calendar. Jews go by a lunar calendar. We, have, uh, we, don't, we don't go by that number. It's a good question. The answer is yes, we go by the lunar calendar and we have leap years to reconcile the lunar and the solar. By the way, 
I'm saying it very quickly because it's not a class on the calendar, so it's a very it's a, a bit of a complicated topic. But here's the short of it. The short bottom line is that even though we go by the lunar calendar, which is 354 days, and that we reconcile it every two, three years with a with a leap year adding another 30 days or 29 days, nonetheless, nonetheless, the the solar year, which we are trying to reconcile the lunar year with, is there is an objective 365 day solar year, and so it's still a hint, even though it's not necessarily our calendar, but it works as far as time and this conversation works, um, as far as this conversation, it works to evoke this notion of, you know, one day a year off for Hasatan, for the Satan. Okay, so that is, that is that. Now, let's move on to our next holiday. So what comes, oh, hold on, ah, Advancing too fast. Okay, what comes after Yom Kippur? What comes after Yom Kippur is... Oh. <laughs> um, okay, if you add one to Yom Kippur, you get Sukkot. What happens on Sukkot? We build a Sukkah, hence the name Sukkot, which is plural for Sukkah. What's a Sukkah? A Sukkah is a hut that Jews build every October, September, October, to sit outside for seven days, and we eat, and we drink, and we be merry, and we welcome guests, and we have enjoyable time outside, and we remember God's miraculous protection of the Jewish people um, on their journeys, on our journeys from Egypt to the Holy Land, 40 years in the desert, God protected us in huts, in tents, in whatever way that God protected us with clouds of glory. And so we remember this by, by re, we, we recall this by building our own Sukkot, our own huts, this time of year, or that time of year, on the holiday. Um, famously, the roof of a sukkah is not meant to be solid. The roof is actually meant to be made of branches, something that grew from the ground that's now cut off from the ground. Many people use bamboo. In Florida, I know they use palm branches. I spent a uh, sukkot in, uh, or I was right there, right before sukkot, building sukkah, sukkot um, around Miami one year. Um, we use palm branches. Those are the best, absolute best. They're light, a lot of coverage. Um, any Floridians here that, that, that have used palm branches? David? Anyone else? I guess I can only see a limited number of people, but if you raise your hand, I'm with you. Okay, so let's look at... Uh, so, and that, that covering is in Hebrew is called schach. It's a great way to clear the throat and a great way to cover your sukkah using schach. It's got the double chach. It's um, buy one, get one. So what is the numerology of schach? Um, so samach is 60, chaf is 20, and your final chaf, it's still a chaf, is also 20. So 60 plus 20 plus 20 is, you guessed it, 100. What's the significance of 100? Oh, I'm sorry, I actually literally wrote it out here. Samach is, look at that, Sa down vertically. Samach 60, chaf 20, and final chaf, again, it's just a the, the last letter there on the bottom is when you write the chaf at the end of a word, so it has a different shape, but it's the same letter. You just open it up a bit. It also equals 20. What's the significance? Powerful idea. Um, we know that holidays, Jewish holidays, have a connection between them. There's an integration between the holidays, an inter-inclusiveness of the holidays themselves. So... There's a continuum from Rosh Hashanah to Sukkot. What we prayed for in Rosh Hashanah in the new year, 
what we ask God for, we begin to get the blessings on Sukkot. That's why it's a time of joy and celebration. Sukkot is like the most joyous holiday. It's Zaman Simchatenu, the Torah says. It's the season of our joy. And it's like the prayers, the serious prayers that we did on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as well, come to fruition. We, we enjoy it. We, we celebrate on Sukkot. And we enjoy just being outside with family and friends and eating good food and you know, being under the stars with a little bit of a covering. And so our sages tell us that this is hinted in the numbers that you have on your screen right here. Because what's the big mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah? Just unmute yourself and jump right in. What's the big mitzvah? Not the apples and honey and not the food. That we, what's the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah? Shofar. Shofar, right? Or like I like to say, shofar, show good. And uh, Barry, I think you said shofar. And you've heard me say that every year now in learner service for the last God knows how many years. And it, and it, never, and it never gets old. Never gets old. It never gets old. Uh, and my, one of my favorite jokes is, Speaking of jokes that don't, Jewish jokes that don't get old is, huh, it's gonna, it's you know, we're just a few weeks away from 57, from the new year, 5781. I just got used to writing 5780 on my checks. Yeah, yeah, that one. Okay, maybe that's, that's a little worse. But yeah, so the shofar. So how many sounds, right? Here's a question for you. Here's a little uh, quiz. How many shofar sounds do we hear, individual sounds, on Rosh Hashanah? You might have guessed it by looking at the numbers on your screen. The answer is 100. 100. We hear 100 sounds. And they're done in a pattern of 10 that repeats itself 10 times, essentially. Um, so, hold on one second. Let me just mute everybody one more time. So... Um, That 100, the numerology of schach, evokes the 100 sounds of the shofar that we heard on Rosh Hashanah in our prayers, in our seriousness, in our entreaties to God. It's now coming to fruition in the bamboo on our sukkah, under which we enjoy good food and good conversation out there in the nice, crisp fall sky, fall temperature, depending on your climate, right? Um, we enjoy it, and this is the fruition of our prayers. But what's interesting is, there are three sounds of the shofar. Three sounds. And I think, I think I saw three before. There are three sounds, but the total number of the repetitions equals 100. But of those three sounds, you ready for this? The trua, which is the long blast, which always comes in each set at the beginning at the end of each set, there are 60 of them. And the Three shorter sounds, there are 20. And the nine really short ones, there's 20 sets of those. 60, 20, 20. Exactly the breakdown of the gematria of schach. Not only does the total equal 100, but the breakdown, 60, 20, 20, is right there. Nassim, can you bring the shofar, please? Um... Talking about chauffeur, we've got to have a, a, a hands-on demo. I want to, I'm going to play the chauffeur for you. Play the chauffeur. Sound the chauffeur. And I'll, I'm going to articulate the various sounds. You ready? I hope it's not too loud over Zoom. You know, this might break the Zoom. The Zoom. Ha-Zoom. All right, you guys ready? This is, oh, let, I'm going to demonstrate. This is the tekiah. 
There's also a tequila gadola, which is the big, not tequila gadola. That's a, that's a different, that's a different thing. This is the tequila. It's one a solid sound. We do 60 of these on Rosh Hashanah. Man, I almost blew it. <laughs> I'm here all week. So that's the tekiah. The shavarim are three shorter sounds. There you go. And the trua, tekiah, shavarim, trua, nine, at least nine, plus really short sounds. They go like this. More than nine, but you do at least nine, so I always go like, I don't know, 13 or 15. Um, and then you end it off with a solo blast again. And then you do, so that's four. You're with me? That's four. Then you do the next set. This time it's three. You sandwich the tequila, the long, the three, and the long again in this set, in the second set. Second set and third set would be. All right, so there you go. So that, that you have a set of four, three, and three. Four plus three is seven, plus three is 10. Those are your 10 sounds. And if you're thinking four, three, and three are not six, two, and two, Yes, it's four, three, and three, but in the four, three, in the sets, you have two tequiot before and after each of those three, so that's six total. And then you have two shvarim and two truas. It's easier if you have the visual. I don't have it here on the sheet, on the, on the, on the screen, but take my word for it, that's how we do it. By the way, as an aside, our sages also tell us, this is not gematria, our sages also tell us that the schach, schach, the roof of the, um, the foliage, of the sukkah is also evocative of the avoda, the service of Yom Kippur. Not the shofar of Rosh Hashanah, not just the shofar of Rosh Hashanah, but also the service of Yom Kippur. What did, unmute yourself if you know the answer, what did the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, do in the times of the ancient times of the temple? What did he do in the Holy of Holies? He was only allowed to go in that inner sanctum once a year on the, on the day of Yom Kippur. What did he do? In the Holy of Holies, right in front of the Ark on Yom Kippur, what did he do? What service did he do? Who knows? He took coals and put the coals down, and then he sprinkled something on top of the coals. What was it? Who remembers? In Hebrew, it's called the Ketores. What is it in English? It means incense. There was a very special blend of 13 herbs and spices. Um, sorry, 11 herbs and spices. Um, Right, Colonel, uh, Colonel Shmuel? Um, anyway, so, so very special blend of Ketoret. I think Ketoret is actually 11 spices. And it was very aromatic. And they would put hot coals and then sprinkle, not they, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest would put a, a pan of hot coals and then sprinkle some of the incense and a cloud would form. A cloud would rise up and then fill the space of the Holy of Holies. And that cloud is, again, evoked by the schach of the sukkah the roof of the sukkah, but I don't have a numerology for that. Although, you want to crunch the numbers? 
Go for a katora, see what we got. Ah, let me do it. Let me do it in my head. Let's see if it means anything. Kuf is 100, 9, 109, Vav is 6, that's 115. 7. No, it's going to be 715. One second. We got, we got my um, 715. Hold on. Ketores, 100 plus 9 plus 6 is 115 plus 600. 715. Let's add them together. 13. All right, we're back to 13. We always get back to 13. It's unbelievable. Can't get away from it. Anyway, what does it mean? I don't know. I just wanted to see what, I wanted to crunch some numbers. Okay, so that is with regards to Sukkot. So we've covered Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And now we're about to get to the holiday that for some reason, the Kabbalists go nuts over in a good way. They go crazy over this one. Do you know which one I'm talking about? You guessed it. It's the Festival of Lights. If there's any holiday to get a Kabbalist excited, it's a holiday that's all about light because light is one of the most favorite words, or light is one of the most favorite words of the Kabbalists. The word that evokes the divine energy, divine emanation, divine spirit, Hanukkah. So I'm going to go through a lot of gematriot, numerologies of Hanukkah. I see we have a bit, just about 15 minutes. I got a lot of stuff on this holiday. So I know it's not for a little while, but when Hanukkah rolls around, as you're spinning your dreidel, telling tales of uh, Hanukkahs of yore, you'll have something else in your, uh, in your, um, um, up your sleeve, in addition to extra gelt to pull out when, when necessary. Okay, you're ready, Hanukkah. So I have here the English Hanukkah, one of the ways of spelling it, and the Hebrew below it, Hanukkah, the first line is Hanukkah in Hebrew. Now Hanukkah, our sages tell us, stand, if you, you can divide it into two words, as you can see right there, you might recognize the letters, you can just straight up divide into two words, Chanu, Chafe, which means, Chanu means they rested, and Chafe is 25. Chaf is 20, He is 5. Chanu, Chafe means they rested on the 25th. What does that mean? Hanukkah begins on the 25th day of Kislev. And that's the day when the fighting ended. The Jews were battling with the Syrian Greek army. And the day that they finally were done and they reclaimed the temple was the 25th day of the month of Kislev. Hanukkah, they finally whew, relaxed. They rested on the 25th and that becomes the beginning of the holiday, the first day of the holiday of Hanukkah. What's interesting is the Kabbalists tell us that if you start at the beginning of the Torah, listen to this, if you start at the beginning of the Torah and count 25 words from Bereshit, from Genesis, from the opening word in the beginning, the 25th word of the Torah is Ar, which means light. You can't make that up. Hanukkah is the 25th. Hanukkah is connected with the energy of 25. The 25th word of the Torah from the beginning is Ar, is light. And what's the f word right before light? It's Yehi'ar, let there be light. God said, Yehi'ar, let there be light. Yehi, the numerology of Yehi, which I have right here at the bottom, the last line on this line, on this, uh, on this uh, screen. Yod is 10, He is 5, Yod is 10. Guess what? Yehi is 25. Ar is the 25th word. It says, Yehi'ar, let there be light. 25, 25. I'm not adding them together. I'm just saying the theme is... 25 are wilds in your, um, 
no holds uh, dreidel match. 25 is the key number. Chanu Chafei, they rested on the 25th. That's the day of the holiday. And that represents the light and the commandment of God, let there be light. What's the message? The message is on Hanukkah. We've got to make it shine with the spiritual light. Let's continue. The numerology of Hanukkah. Hold on, let me go back for a second, make sure we didn't skip anything. Okay. What about Hanukkah itself? What is the numerology of Hanukkah? Let's do this in Misbar Katan. Remember Misbar Katan? It means you take off the zeros. So let's add these numbers together, but let's take off the zeros. Let's do it. Ches is 8. 8. Nun is 50, but take off the zero. 8 plus 5 is 13. Vav is 6. 13 plus 6 is 19. Chaf is 20. Don't add 20 to that. Add 2. Right? Yeah? 19 plus 2 is 21. Plus 5 is 26. Again, let's do this. Just, just count the numbers, the non-zeros. 8 plus 5 is 13. Plus 6 is 19. Plus 2 is 21. Plus 5 is 26. Chanukah is on the 25th day of the month, but its numerology in Misbar Katan equals 26. Well, what's 26? You guessed it. 26 is the numerology of God's name, Yurke Vavke, God's four-letter name, the holiest name of God in Scripture, is numerologically equivalent to 26. How do we see this? Bottom line over here, Yod is 10, He is 5, that's 15. Vav is 6, 21. Plus hey is 5. 21 plus 5 is, you guessed it, 26. So 85625 of Hanukkah is 26, and God's name is 26. What does it mean for us? The message is, Hanukkah is all about God's light. The light, not just any light, not just any 25, but the 25 of 26. It's God's light. That's the message of Hanukkah. So on Hanukkah, as we light our menorahs, we're not just bringing physical light into the world. We have to commit ourselves to bringing spiritual light into the world as well. Now, let's get even deeper. Every time you light the menorah, each of the wild eight crazy nights, to borrow a term from Adam Sandler, each of the wild crazy nights of Hanukkah, you light the menorah and you say a blessing. The first blessing is Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah. Some people say Lahadlik Ner Shel Hanukkah. I'm going to sing it. You can join in with me if you want. Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvotav, Vitzivanu. All of that is the preamble for every blessing, every mitzvah. And now you end it off with the final pizzazz. Lehad Likiner. Most people say, many people say, Shel Chanukah. Chabad custom is not to say the shell. You just say lahadlik ner Chanukah. The mitzvah is to light. Lahadlik means to light ner the candle Chanukah, the Chanukah candle. So shell means of. So if you say shell, what it means is in Hebrew shell, not the English shell. It just means a shell. Lahadlik ner shell Chanukah means to light the candle of Chanukah. But in the Chabad custom and others as well have it lahadlik ner Chanukah to light the Chanukah candle. Okay, they both work. But let's use this version because it's kind of cool. The Hebrew, Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah, Alamid, the letters. Look, look at this first Hebrew line right here. Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah, take the first letters of those three words. It's Alamid, Le, Nun, Ner, ch, Hanukkah is the Ches. Lamid, Nun, Ches. Add them up, 358. Wait. 
How do I get 358? No, misbarkatan. I'm sorry, <laughs> don't add them up. Uh, just add up misbarkatan. I wish I would have broken this out better. Okay, I'm even confusing myself. Lamed is 30, drop the, drop the zero. Again, misbarkatan, you drop the zeros. So it's three. Lamed is three, nun is 55, and ches is eight. Three, five, eight, 358. Again, if you add the numerology, you're not going to get, the, the, based on the first system, you're not going to get 358. But if you go misbarkatan and put them all together, you have three, five, and eight. 358. That is the same gematria, the same numerology as the word Mashiach, which is the final redemption when the light, what is Mashiach at its core? It's when God's light will fully saturate this world and we're all, we'll all be able to see the truth and beauty and spirituality and purpose and meaning and no more pain and no more suffering and no more fighting and no more stealing. Right? All of the craziness goes away and we see the truth. That is Mashiach. That's the light of Mashiach. When we light the Hanukkah menorah, here's a meditation. When you say the blessing, when you sing that song, whether it's in the public setting, in Virginia Highlands, Decatur Square, Atlantic Station, Pan City Market, as Chabad in town does, or whether it's in your own home or at a friend's house or at a Hanukkah party, when you sing the blessing, think of the number 358 and think about how the light that we bring in with the Hanukkah menorah should be not just a physical light, or a communal light, but also spiritual light, and bring in a better time, a better world, the era of Mashiach. Um, if you rearrange the letters, Lamed Nun Ches, that acronym, it could spell the word Nachal, which is the next Hebrew word down, the third Hebrew word down, third line here in the Hebrew. Nachal means river, and the idea is, again, like a river, which is a stream, we're asking that a stream of light, a stream of light flow down from above into our world to saturate this world with goodness and blessings and spirituality. Make sense? Yes? Okay. Um, Nachal. The numerology of that is 88. Well, it's kind of close to Hanukkah, which is the numerology of which is 89. So, and, and this is the, the, the misparachrechi, this is the absolute normative value, the, 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 tr the typical way of getting to the, um, to the numerology. Nun is 50, Ches is 8, and Lamed is 30, that's 88. Hanukkah, you have 8, and 50, and 6, and 20, and 5, that's 89. So, again, it's close. We're going to do, here, we're going to add the 1, just for kicks. Im HaKolel, we're adding the Kolel, the, 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 the together. So we have, again, Nachal, the stream of light, which is which we got from Lahadagner Hanukkah, ends up coming back to Hanukkah in the numerology, which is 89, which is also the numerology of the word Guf, Guf in Hebrew means body. The idea here is that the light, the divine light, is not just good for the soul, but it's also good for the body. Like I said before, what is Mashiach? Mashiach is a better time, a better era for all of us, a time when physically the world is in a better state. And we all want world peace. I mean, all good, decent human beings want world peace and an end to suffering, an end to the, all the craziness that's, uh, that, that's, you know, that all too often is present around us. And that is the greatest blessing when the, when the divine light, when the spiritual light affects also the physical, the body of things, the physical matter, the physical reality, and improves it as well. And that's what Mashiach is all about. Okay, let's continue. Hanukkah is 89, like I mentioned a moment ago on the previous page, the previous screen. 8 plus 9, again, we're mixing different formulas. We did Misbarkatan, and now again Misbarkatan, uh, but this is Misbarkatan. 
uh, yeah, Mispar Katan, 89, 8 plus 9 is 17. 17 is Tov, which means good. 17 is a number that's good in this context. I know we had by egos before with the nuts, don't eat the nuts. But on Yom Kippur, we've been very sensitive. But here, 17 is to its uh, normative understanding, which is Tov, which is good. And wouldn't you know it, on Hanukkah, if you light the menorah every single night, you will have said 17 blessings throughout the holiday. Three on the first night and two on each additional night. And do the math here. Two times seven is 14, plus three on the first night is 17. If you light the menorah every single night and say the blessings, you'd say a total of 17 blessings on your menorah, which again comes back to the numerology of Hanukkah. Now let's keep on going. I'm gonna go through this. I'm sorry that I'm going through this a little bit quickly, but there's a lot of ideas and I'm gonna say whatever sticks, sticks, but you should know that Hanukkah is filled with numerology and mystical insight. Ner, which means candle. Let's do it together. Ner, this is gonna be um, the Miloy method, which means you're gonna take a look at the letters. There's only two letters to this word, but you're gonna fill in the letters the way, they, the way they sound. So you have Nun and Resh. Nun spelled out, the letter Nun spelled out, Nun is 106. The letter Resh spelled out is 510. So 106 plus 510 equals 616, which is the same numerology as the word Hatorah, which means the Torah. So what we have here again is a connection between the physical act of lighting a Hanukkah candle and a spiritual meaning. So when we light the candle, the Ner, we're evoking also the notion of the true light that comes from Torah, that comes from a spiritual place. Let's continue. You're going to love this. Over Hanukkah, how many lights do you light? How many candles do you light throughout the eight days? Let's do the math. One plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six plus seven plus eight equals 36. Do you like, not, not with the shamash. I'm not including the shamash. These are all the base candles, so to speak. One plus two plus three, etc. equals 36. What's the significance? The Torah tells us, our sages tell us actually, that from Friday morning until Saturday night, there were 36 hours of special light that's called hidden light. Hidden light for tzaddikim after Shabbat, God hid the light for all time. Why? Or until Mashiach comes, because Adam and Eve had sinned, but God didn't want to take away the light right away, because then they would have gone into Shabbat depressed. So God kept this light, the spiritual light, uh, throughout Shabbat. But once Saturday night came, God took away the light. By the way, that's one of the reasons why we light a candle in Havdalah. Ever wonder why we light a candle, Havdalah, Havdalah candle? When we do Havdalah Saturday night, we light a candle. Why? because that was the first time that Adam and Eve, from when they were created, they lost access to this hidden light because God took it away. So they were very sad. So God said, let me show you how to make your own light, but it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be my light, it'll be your light, but at least it's a compensation. Anyway, 36 hours of hidden light, Arhaganos, um, and when God says to, to Adam and Eve, where are you, when, when he confronts them on the sin, the word is Ayaka, which is this last word over here, which is again, equivalent to 36. So 36 evokes, again, this idea of light, Candles, light, hidden light, ayeka, etc. Now, 44 candles. Why 44? If you add the shamash. So here's what I did. If you look at the math here, I did 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 plus 8. Plus I added another 8 because of each night you have one shamash. So that's 8, eight additional candles. That equals 44. So how do we get to 44 in Hanukkah? So here's how we do it. You ready? Um, let's do it together. 44 is... <laughs> You're going to love this. We haven't done this yet. First time. Breaking news. All the way at the end of our third session. 
We're breaking this out. We're dusting off the old Misbar Siduri. This is the second ordinal value. Remember where the letters go 1 through 22? In order? We never gave an example of this. Now we have an example. Hanukkah. Look at the second line here. The word Hanukkah. The Ches is the eighth letter. Nun is the 14th letter. Usually it equals 50 in the other count. But if you go 1, 2, if you just go in order, it's the 14th letter. Vav is the 6th. Chav is the 11th. It's usually 20. But here's the 11th. And He is the 5th. 8 plus 14 plus 6 plus 11 plus 5 is, you guessed it, 44 candles. 44. Hanukkah and Misbar Siduri. Hanukkah and the ordinal value. The letters as they appear in their order, each one gets a number. Line up like the bakery of old. Remember the bakeries? You would take a number. Who remembers that? Yeah, back in the day. I, I, I love that. As kids, we would just take numbers. Because it was something to do while, while you know, a parent was shopping. You know, it's like, and they would give out cookies, always. Always give the kids cookies. There was always like a little bit of a bittersweet moment, like becoming of age where like you were too old to get the cookie. It's like, what? Don't I count? No, not for a cookie. Anyway, getting back to this. Hanukkah is like, you take the number, each letter gets a number. Just line them up, 1 through 22, boom. Add them all up, 44, 44 candles. 44 is also the numerology of dam, which means blood. Why? Blood means like flesh and blood, like the physical. Again, spirituality and the physical are meant to melt together. The spiritual light is meant to infuse and inform and uplift the physical reality as well. I know I'm hitting with a lot of stuff. Oh, more. Shemen, oil. Hashemen is 395. Shmona, which means eight. Eight days is 395. Nishama, soul, is 395. Same letters. There's a correlation between oil, eight, and soul. Do the math, folks. <laughs> Don't do the math. It's the math is there for you. What's the meaning? The oil is eight, supernatural. Seven is natural. Eight is supernatural. Nishama soul is, of course, spiritual. Now, the dreidel. Oh, this, is, this will blow your mind. The dreidel has four letters, right? Each side has a letter. Ho, ho, ho. You ever thought to do the gamatria? Let's also do some. Mishnah. Huh? Mishnah. Also Mishnah. Mishnah. Right. Right, right, on the previous slide. Um, what about the dreidel? The dreidel has four words, four letters. Neis gadol hayasham in the diaspora. A uh, great miracle happened there. Nun gimel heishin. You land on nun. Oh, where's our dreidel prop? Don't have a dreidel prop. My apologies. If you land on nun, nothing. Gimel, you get the whole pot. Hey, you get 50% shin. You have to put in something. I don't know what the rules are. I forgot the rules. What do you put in? One or two. One or two depending on... Uh, on house, house rules. Okay, so nun gimel heishin, numerology, baby. The first method, 50 plus 3 plus 5 plus 300 is 358. Mashiach. Unbelievable. Mashiach, it's, it's a spiritual holiday, even the dreidel. But it's even better. It's even better. The dreidel is a, is a shape. Traditional dreidels, nowadays made in China, but traditional dreidels are made in the shape of a square. Four sides. But when you spin it, it looks like a circle. Are you with me in, 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 in sight? How it looks when you spin a dreidel fast? It looks round, but it's really square. In Kabbalah, square represents our mamale. Mamale kolamin, which is the imminent divine light, which is nature. For those of you that took the miracle course and other courses that we did recently, this, these words may, may trigger a memory or hopefully a fond memory. The sovave, the round, the circle, 
Circular energy is the transcendent, the miraculous. The message here is, your square should always be a circle. Within nature, you should always have miracles. Within the ordinary, there should always be something extraordinary. That's why we spin the dreidel. We take the square and we make it a circle. We take the box, we take the limitations, we break out of the box. Lines have, uh, have um, a square has a definition to it, but a circle is infinite. Okay, let's continue. I, I, I want to end with this. We're going to do this very quickly. Perfect. Give me two more minutes. Um, let me stop sharing. Shabbat is the seventh day of the week. It's the holy day. It's a day of rest. It's a day that God infuses and imbues with holiness. And the great sages taught us that when you look at Shabbat customs and themes, if you add up the numerology and then you do the misbar, katan mispari, which means the, um, you add, add all the numbers together, essentially, you'll see how all these themes end, in the, end with the number seven. You'll see what I mean. Shabbat themes, when it comes down to it, they end up with the number seven. And I'm going to show you better. I just wanted to say that face to face and then let's go inside. Ner. The first thing you do is you light the Shabbat candles. Candle is ner. Ner is 250. Two plus five, seven. Yayin. You make Kiddush over the wine. Yayin is wine. Yayin is 70. Seven plus zero, seven. Then you have the challah. You, are you with me? We're going through the, the, the Shabbat evening experience. You light your candles, you say your Kiddush, and then you break bread. You have the challah. Challah is 43. You guessed it. 4 plus 3, 7. Then you eat a little gefilte fish. Dag. Dag is fish in Hebrew. Dag is dalit plus gimel. 4 plus 3 is 7. Then you have maybe a little flesh if that's how you roll. Maybe you have a little meat for your main course. Basar. Is 502. You guessed that 5 plus 0 plus 2 is 7. What I just told you, teachings from the Vilna Gaon, the genius of Vilna, one of the great mystics and Talmudic scholars of the past uh, 300 years. He shared this insight. When you take many Hebrew words associated with Shabbat and you take the numerology and then you add the numbers together, the digits together, you will get, you will get back down to the single digit 7 to evoke the theme of 7 Shabbat. But then we took it a step further. You guys ready for the next slide? This is where it gets crazy. You ready? That's all in the good books. This is where we're going nuts. Shabbat Shalom, baby. That phrase, Shabbat Shalom, 1,078. Do the math. 1 plus 7 is 8 plus 8 is 16. 1 plus 6, you guessed it, is 7. Gefen, which means grape. Wine comes from grapes. Gefen, 133. 1 plus 3 plus 3 is 7. Chrein. You know what chrein is? Who knows what chrein is? Unmute yourself if you could tell me what chrein is. Horseradish. Horseradish. That's right. It's that sharp horseradish that many people put on their gefilte fish. Chrein. 268. 2 plus 6 is 8. Plus 8 is 16. 1 plus 6 is 7. Marak is soup. Marak is 340. 3 plus 4 is 7. Kishka. Yeah, we went there. Kishka. Yeah, you didn't think we were going to go to Kishka. We just went there. Kishka. How do you translate? How do you explain what Kishka is? You'll know it when you taste it. Kishka is 511. 5 plus 1 plus 1, 7. 
But wait, there's more. This is like a Ron Popeil infomercial. But wait, we're almost up to the Ginsu knives. Chalent, Chalent, as we spelled it here. Chalent is 538. You know what Chalent is, right? The hot stew on Shabbat day? Oh, it's a, it's a stew you, people put in a crock pot and they serve it Shabbat day. That way you put it on before Shabbat and it cooks for 24 hours. Then you have it hot on Shabbat day. That way you don't have to cook on Shabbat, but you have hot food. Chalent is 538. 5 plus 3 is 8 plus 8 is 16. 1 plus 6 is 7. My favorite, folks, this is it. This is the mic drop. This is it. Sushi. 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 We went with sushi. Why? Because today we live in modern times. Not everyone's a gefilte fish fan. Not everyone likes crane under gefilte fish. Some people like sushi and wasabi. Right? Some people like, that's it. I'm not going to judge. By the way, I may be one of those people. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, sushi. I spelled sushi in Hebrew. Why? Because I could. Because I did. I spelled it out. Sushi. The Vilna Gon, living in the 1700s, did not teach this. This is my mic drop. Sushi. 60 plus 6 plus 300 plus 10 equals 376. Folks, add... Wasabi's also? No way. Okay, hold on. We're going to add that. Hold on. Sushi. 3 plus 7 is 10 plus 6 is 16. 1 plus 6 is 7. Wasabi. How are you spelling wasabi? All right. I don't know. Maybe we have something else brewing. What's the point? The point is Shabbat always comes back to 7. It always comes back to 7. It's the seventh day of the week. It's the holy day of the week. It's a day of blessing for all of us. And so... With this, I want to conclude our discussion by telling you the following. Tonight, my objective was to take you on a tour throughout, through some of the famous, some of the, some of the popular Jewish holidays. I, we didn't do everything. We didn't do Purim. We didn't do uh, uh, Passover. Okay, we, we, we left out a few, but we did the first half of the year, you know, the first half. I wanted to go through the holidays, but I also, at the end, wanted to mention that every week we have a holiday. You don't have to wait, you know, once a year once every few months for a holiday. You got one every seven days. You know, people pay money today, nowadays, to go on retreats. Well, at least, you know, a few months ago when people were gathering together and, and pub, you know, you spend money to, to unplug. And we have this beautiful gift in our culture, in our tradition. Every seven days on Shabbat, we disconnect. We take it easy. We take care of ourselves. We take care of our spiritual selves. We nurture what's inside as opposed to working, working, working. We get back to ourselves and we reconnect with purpose and our core. And that's the seventh day. That's the power of seven. And so we see here at the end with those slides that I showed you that when it comes to Shabbat, almost everything that we do on Shabbat hints to the number seven and the power of the seventh day. So it's only Monday. But, you know, we can always look forward to the end of the week. T-G-I-S, thank God, it's Shabbat. Um, let's, let's remember the gift that is Shabbat, and let's remember the gift that is Torah, that is Jewish wisdom, that is gematria, that is numerology. I hope you learned, I hope you enjoyed learning the methods, the six methods of numerology. I hope you enjoyed seeing just some, just a taste of the applications and, and some of the dizzying array of blends that are done in Kabbalah to end up with teachings that are real and impactful. How to practice, what to do now in the month of El, what Rosh Hashanah is about, Yom Kippur is about, what Hanukkah is about, and what Shabbat is about. 
um, and ultimately comes down to sushi. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so <laughs> hope you enjoyed this series. Hope you enjoyed this look, this uh, different look at Jewish wisdom and Jewish thought and at Torah. I, I need to mention this as we close. There's much, much more that's taught that I didn't teach just due to constraints and due to level of intricacies. But hopefully this whets your appetite and you'll study more on your own. Maybe we could do a 2.0 class at some point if there's interest. If you're interested, you can let me know. Um, there's a lot of mathematical combinations that are possible. But I want to thank you for joining me for these last three weeks. And, uh, and I appreciate the time we spent together. Just a quick mention. I mentioned it before, but I'll pull it up here. Oh, what happened to my share screen? It's gone. Um, are you guys seeing me or seeing my screen? Yeah. Me, okay. All right, by divine providence, it's not meant to be. I will mention next, next Monday, a week from tonight, we have a, another session. We have a session that is also related to Kabbalah. It's called Gemstones and Kabbalah, the opportunity to create beautiful jewelry and learn the Kabbalistic secrets behind the stones or the colors of the stones and also a little bit numerology. There are 108 beads that are involved and 108 is a significant number, which we'll talk about next week. So join us then if you, don't, if you didn't yet um, get a kit. There's only a few left, really, literally a handful left. So get, get in while the getting's good. The kits are available for pickup. I've also mailed out a few today, so that's also a possibility. Um, but let uh, yeah, jump in on that. And also in a few weeks' time on September 10th, we have our virtual uh, gala dinner or gala dinner. And the, um, the theme is a celebration of Jewish life and learning. We have an all-star cast presentation of speakers and musical entertainment. And food, at least for those in Atlanta, food, those on the other side of the country, around the world, it's going to be a little bit more tricky to get it to on the same day fresh, but maybe we can work something out. Um, but for those that are local, we will deliver to your house or wherever you want, we will deliver the food to you and you can enjoy the dinner, the program. It all starts at 6 p.m. that evening on September 10th. It's going to be an incredible and fun event in support of uh, in Town Jewish Academy in support of adult Jewish learning here in Atlanta and beyond. So please join in with me on that and be part of it and help support the good work that we do. Um, that's it for tonight. That's it for the series. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, I'll stay on. Otherwise, Lila Tov. And uh, may you all be blessed with all the blessings. Happy birthday. I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Bye, everyone. Hey, bye, Lily. Good to see you. <laughs> bye.